Gary Hoffman. Yeah. You feel it, baby? Shannon Farron. And I'm not going to brag about how much ass I kicked, but let's just say I kicked every single ass. Gary and Shannon. It's going to be a day of this angsty 22-year-old dude music, isn't we it? <laughs> we both cringed. <laughs> oh, no. Nice choice, Blake. Nice choice. Uh. Oh, man. A bunch of guys with emotional issues in the 2000s, early 2000s. Wearing grandpa's old flannel shirt. Going to get some nickel back up in there? Yeah. Yeah, totally. But not even grandpa's old flannel shirt, which you should have dug into. But like buying an expensive new flannel shirt when you could have worn Grandpa's old flannel shirt. A new flannel shirt designed to look like Grandpa's yeah. old flannel so shirt. Yeah, so I'm uh, just checking out TMZ real quick like right. I am one to do at the beginning of the uh, show. Just, just in just, case. Just yeah. in case. And I come across this. Miss Bum Bum 2018. Yeah. That's like a Brazilian uh, butt pageant or something like that, right? Here's the second line. Okay. First transgender gets in the mix. Oh. Is that's where we are now. Miss Bum Bum 2018, first transgender, gets in the mix. And then there's a picture of her. Uh, Paula is her name. And she is the first transgender trying to win Miss Bum Bum. Paula, who was born Vinicius before her sex reassignment surgery six years ago. She's 27. She's taken a pretty bold stand given Brazil's known for being prejudiced against gay and transgender people. Miss Bum Bum competition, you'll be sad to know, is in its final year of existence. Oh, no. What? We've only just begun. I didn't even know about Miss Bum Bum. Oscar? Uh, yeah, you know, I'm an avid follower of the Miss Bum Bum contest. I figured. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you got to know who's on top. You got to know well, who the best, that's, the that's best person you is. You need to know. You've got to know. <laughs> well, we've got a big Guys, it's my, jo- it's my job to know a little bit about everything, you know. <laughs> You're a consumer. And in some some cases, you you spend more time learning about it. When the winner happens, I'll put it in the list of stories. And if you want to so choose to do it, you know, we'll get there. It's Bum Bum Friday. (laughs) No. (sighs) Well, it is a lot going on, if that's what you mean. Um, We are going to, we have carved out a little nugget of time next hour to introduce to you a new member of the KFI team. Now, listen. Oh, somebody, we don't hire just anybody. Well, listen, some would call it a team. Some would call it a family. I'll call it a team. We're like it just, uh, it's a team. We're like it's a cult. No, nah, it's just a team. Like a people, group of people who work together. Oh. Family. Um, also, in the 1 o'clock hour, we're going to talk about the Grammys that are coming up on Sunday night. And since the XFL is coming back... 2001 is going to be our uh, flashback Friday year. So. Well, you know, Steve Gregory's like that weird uncle that only comes around a couple times a year now. And Chris is like the... Speak of the devil. The dad, you know, that you've got deep-seated issues with but have yet to address them. I think we're getting into this a little too far. <laughs> a little too real. All right, let's talk about the big story that's going on right now is people are losing their minds about whether or not... President Trump tried to fire special counsel Robert Mueller. Wait a minute. The special counsel who's investigating whether the White House 
is trying to obstruct the Russia investigation right. into whether the White House colluded with Russia to change the outcome of the 2016 election. That same White House. That's problematic. Um, now, this is the way it, it plays out. The New York Times first had this story and said that he actually ordered the firing of Robert Mueller last June, according to four people told of the matter. That's their sourcing, four people told of this whole thing, but that the president backed down after the lawyer, the White House lawyer, threatened to resign rather than fire Robert Mueller. This is, according to the New York Times, the first time the president is known to have tried to fire the special counsel. And in fact, Robert Mueller knows it because supposedly Robert Mueller has been, uh, well, we know he's been interviewing a bunch of people who've worked in the White House And as he has been talking to some of those people working in the White House, current and former senior White House officials, they have been telling him, oh, yeah, the president tried to fire you back in June. Um, There's a couple of things that I have a problem with. Well, first, I think it's it would have been really short sighted if, in fact, the president decided to fire Robert Mueller. It would have made him look like a complete imbecile trying to. And even if he doesn't have anything to hide it would appear like that was a move to hide the things that he was trying not to hide. But what do you think about this conflicts of interest argument? Well, okay. So here's, here's what he says. Right. He says that uh, there was a dispute years ago over fees at Trump National Golf Club in Virginia that had prompted Bob Mueller, the FBI director at the time, to resign his membership. Conflict number one. President also said that Mueller could not be impartial because he had most recently worked for the law firm that previously represented Jared Kushner. Conflict number two. And for conflict number three, the president said Bob Mueller had been interviewed to return as the FBI director the day before he was appointed special counsel. Well, the only one that I would think that actually might have some merit to it is that while he was FBI director, he would belong to the Trump National Golf Club. And... That there was some dispute over fees and he resigned his membership at that point. The idea that he wouldn't be able to investigate because he worked with the law firm that represented Jared Kushner doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I mean, I guess in terms of trying to erase all connections, that would be one. But I, I don't think that that automatically disqualifies him. And then the idea that he would interview to return as the FBI director because James Comey had been fired also doesn't make a lot of sense that that for some reason he I mean he didn't take the job or didn't get offered the job so why would that even be a conflict I don't know why this is such a shocker to be honest with you this is a president that didn't want this investigation to exist which is why he wanted to get rid of Jeff Sessions back then he wants it to go away he wants it to go away that's why he had uh James Comey in his office saying make this go away this is, he, he doesn't like people talking badly about him. He doesn't like any shades of people talking bad about him. This investigation has been just something that he wanted to go away. Why wouldn't he dive into that topic with one of his lawyers and say, hey, what, can we fire this guy? Can we get rid of him? This is a president who we know in large part because of him firing people. Right. Somebody makes a wrong move or a move against him and he wants that person gone, wiped from the face of the earth. So, well, here's the thing. It, it, according to this, the New York Times, it goes far beyond just the question uh, of Don McGahn. Don McGahn, I guess is his name, who was the White House counsel. And 
it went beyond just, hey, can we do this, to a directive to do it. And that Don McGahn refused to ask the Justice Department to dismiss Robert Mueller because he said that it would have a catastrophic effect on the presidency. And I'm not going to follow up through on this dismissal. You're going to have to fire me. Okay. Don McGahn's argument is that firing this guy would be, would just incite a whole bunch more questions about whether the White House was trying to obstruct this Russia investigation. And then you'd have the special counsel that, you know, uh, Bob Mueller, whoever's going to replace him and take over the Russia investigation, and then the investigation into the firing of Bob Mueller, which prompts another special counsel. So this is not a thing where, like you said, it's nothing that we should be surprised at. I, I, I am a little bit surprised that people's hair is on fire on this. Uh, because they believe that this is so out of the realm of possibility, I guess. But the president was asked about it today. He's in Davos, Switzerland. He's been talking about world economic issues. And he has said... Fake news, folks. Fake news. Fake news. Typical New York Times fake story. And what's this is the first report of the president attempting to fire Mueller. What, was he attempting, though, or did he just have a conversation with one of his top lawyers saying, hey, why don't we what, what about if we get rid of this guy? Is that setting the ball in motion? Because as soon as his lawyer said, no, 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 no I'll quit before I do that. Uh, Trump backed off. He's like, well, I'm not going to go unilaterally on this one. Right. So I think it was just a conversation. I think, of course, he wanted to get rid of him. Of course, he wanted to get rid of Sessions when Sessions wasn't his lapdog. He wants this whole thing to go away. Unfortunately for him, that's not how things work. You can do it in the private world. You can do it in the private sector. Get rid of whoever you want, whatever time you want to. But that's not the way it works when you're sitting in the White House. And there could be evidence that you tried to obstruct justice or colluded with a foreign government to change an election. Well, to that end, I mean, are you saying that the four sources that The New York Times talked to could have the basics of the story right in that there was a conversation. Yes, but it wasn't an official thing. But that there was no order. There was right. no directive to there do so. There was no code red. Okay, I know we were going to talk about the opioids. Right. But we have to talk about what's going on with Wynn Resorts right now and Steve Wynn. Because their their stock dropped nearly 20 points, lost 10% of its opening value. Uh-oh. Because of the stories that are coming out this morning about Steve Wynn. Dozens of people who have worked at his casinos are talking about his pattern of sexual misconduct. Oh, boy. And it is. Are they as bad as everything else? All the other stories? They are bad. <laughs> um, he uh, he had some behavior when he was getting manicures that was unfortunate. Who gets manicures? Steve Wynn. <clears throat> The Wall Street Journal has written a pretty lengthy write-up of this. And they talked to this manicurist who worked at, of course, the flagship Win Las Vegas in 2005 when he opened that up. And she says that after she gave Mr. Wynn a manicure, he pressured her to take off her clothes and lie on the massage table he kept in his office suite. The manicurist said she told Mr. Wynn she did not want to have sex and was married, but he persisted in his demands that she do so. Ultimately, she did disrobe and they had sex. 
He later paid this woman a $7.5 million settlement because she she went to the HR about it. But beyond this, this one incident, uh, dozens of people the Wall Street Journal interviewed who have worked at the casinos say that there was a decades-long pattern of sexual misconduct and him forcing women to uh, have sex with him. He's not a... Uh... I don't know. If it doesn't matter. Never mind. I was going to say he's not an attractive guy. Doesn't matter. None of Harvey Weinstein's not an attractive guy. The um, this manicurist prompted the Wall Street Journal to talk to 150 current and former employees of Win. Yeah, it seems totally uh, widespread. The majority of those who spoke worried that just talking to the media would hurt their job opportunities. Because of his incredible influence, not just in the Wynn family, the Wynn uh, properties, but throughout the state of Nevada, throughout the casino industry in the world. Former employees said they sometimes entered fake appointments in the books to help other female workers get around a request for services in Mr. Wynn's office. Or arrange for others to pose as assistants so these workers would not be alone with him. Female employees would hide in the bathroom or back rooms when they learned he was on the way to the salon. Everyone was petrified. Nobody was there to help us. One former massage therapist at the Wynn Vegas Spa said uh, several years ago, Mr. Wynn was booking multiple appointments a week with her in the private massage room in his office suite and would continually adjust a towel to expose himself. Oh, the towel trick. At one session, she said he threw it off and said, just get this thing off of me. She said he wouldn't let her use a towel to cover his genitals after that, even though that that's a a state regulation. That's a few Nevada. I didn't realize that would be a state regulation. Well, yeah, wink, wink. Uh, After a few weeks, the former employee said Mr. Wynn instructed her to massage his penis to to, uh, climax. And he said to her, don't ignore it anymore. Don't ignore it anymore. It's just, it's all very bad. Like, I'm just getting into some of this. But um, there was a personal assistant to his wife back in the late 80s. And Mr. Wynn repeatedly asked her to spend time with him outside of work. Despite her telling him she had plans with her husband and child, he would call her and say, what are you wearing? Why don't you hang out with me after work? When are you going to... Uh, come to my office and blank me. Do you know who uh, the Wynn Resorts officially blames for all of this? Hmm. His wife. Sorry, his ex-wife. This is the statement uh, that they provided to CNBC, Wynn Resorts. The recent allegations about Mr. Wynn reflect allegations made in court hearings by Mr. Wynn's ex-wife, Elaine, in her legal battle with him and the company. It is clear that Mr. Wynn's ex-wife has sought to use a negative public relations campaign to achieve what she has been unable to do in the courtroom, tarnish the reputation of Mr. Wynn in an attempt to pressure a revised divorce settlement with him. Now, they go on to say that she knew about these allegations from 2005. She knew about them in 2009, but she never made them known to the board of directors, which she was then a member, and in fact didn't bring them up. Until Steve Wynn remarried and the shareholders of Wynn Resorts voted not to elect her to the board. 
And then they go on to say that they operate with the highest ethical standards, et cetera. Believable? Well, I think there's a lot of things that come out in divorce papers and alimony suits and all that kind of stuff that is um, generous with the truth, or I guess you could say stretching the truth a little bit to get money or whatever you want in those in those types of battles. But this kind of you don't make up details like this, you know, well, several 150 people the Wall Street Journal talked to. I mean, there were several people that said this guy would wear Larry Bird shorts, no underwear, and expose his genitals every time he could. He got a chance. That's a great, such a great visual. Larry Bird shorts with your well. This was a guy who's uh, his prime time was in like the eighties, right? Yeah. So sometimes people stick to the clothing that was big in their prime time. And for him, it was these extremely short shorts, according to these women. And it's just so sick that, because you think about who works in the salons in Vegas, right? It's usually women who are maybe the most vulnerable, probably, you know, Um, uh, maybe a lot of ESL situations. And that's gross that he was using all of these women that work in the salon and the massage thing and this is Mr. Wynn. This is the guy's name that's in cursive on the top of this big, beautiful building that employs you. Uh, mm. Anyway, not the, a surprise. The stocks uh, were. I, I mean, that's fascinating, isn't? Drop uh, stock dropped six percent for Wynn Resorts yeah. after this Wall Street Journal bombshell report came out. Uh, we'll continue a little bit with this. Also, uh, opioid crisis. Uh, we now know where they're coming from, or at least a lot of them. That's all coming up. Uh, we'll continue. But I have $1,000 I want to give away. Here's how you can win it. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword BILLS to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's BILLS to 200-200. Just BILLS, that's it, B-I-L-L-S. And if you win, they'll give you a call, but you've got to answer the phone. If you, for some reason, don't answer the phone, they'll move on and give $1,000 to somebody else. I wonder how many other stories. Are these stories just going to be endless? Is this just an endless stream of guys? Probably. And now well, just I mean, dipping into the Vegas pool? I mean, well, I bet we'll the, hear more tales from those guys. Vegas is a place that I would imagine that this goes on a whole lot more than anybody, you know. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm, just, I'm sure that it's like a Tuesday, right? Yeah. Oh, the head of the casino shows me his genitals while I'm giving him a manicure. That's, you know. Did you did you mention the payout, though? The $7.5 million? Yeah. Yeah. You don't uh, pay somebody $7.5 million unless you've done something real bad. We said that with Bill O'Reilly in one of his settlements, which was $9 million. Right. Uh, like, that goes beyond that unwanted That goes beyond, uh, I'm just trying to protect my family yeah. as privacy. Uh, thank you for wearing underwear. I just Who wanted are you, you. Are you talking to me? Yeah, I appreciate it. I don't know how to respond. I actually to that. don't know, but I, if you you're do assuming, wear you're underwear, you're making a lot of assumptions but right now. Thank lady. you for not wearing short shorts, sans underwear to work. I appreciate that. Uh, you're welcome. <laughs> it's awkward now. No, I'm just thinking about a workplace environment where a guy's flashing his junk all the time at you. Are you saying that because Handel gave you a compliment today? No. Now you made it weird. Mm-hmm. 
If we get more information about this whole Steve Wynn uh, story, we'll bring it to you because it's just a fascinating and it's just coming out. And like you said, his uh, the, the Wynn stock is taking it in the shorts right now. All right. China apparently has been sending opioids our way. Left and right was able to expose a flaw in the U.S. Postal Service. You don't say. So hard to believe that they would find a hole in it. Uh, but this is part of an Associated Press investigation. There's also a Senate investigation into the supply of opioids, synthetic opioids in the United States. Where are they coming from? I tried That's, to. In fact, one of the questions that, that, that I have when I watch the show, Intervention, did you say you tried I to watch tried it last night? I tried to watch it last night. I've only gotten through part one of the first episode on the opioid uh, addiction series. And they're doing it specifically and in I, an area north of Atlanta. It's it, the, it, it was when the woman who picks her face was taking the baby clothes out of the car mm, is when that they live in yep. uh, that I had to shut it off. Like self-preservation. It was so depressing. Oh, so you didn't even get to the twist at the end of the first episode. No. There's a good twist. There that is? They set it up. Uh, the, Does the, she get sober and take care of her baby? Would That, that would be nice. Well, I don't know. At the end of the series, I don't know what happens, but oh. there's a twist at the end of the first episode oh. that they don't say anything. Like they don't, it, you don't see it coming. Interesting. But it's a good, it's a good twist. They did a good job of setting it up. But my question is, where do these drugs come from? I mean, they only talk about the demand for it and then talk about the treatment of it in the show intervention. That's obviously why it's called that. But. Where are people getting these opioids? Are they buying them off the street? And in this case, they do show a couple of buys. But but heroin specifically, who's bringing that? Who's making it? Where is it coming from? So some of these answers, uh, some of these questions are answered in this, this, this study from the Associated Press and this uh, Senate report. So we'll talk about that when we come back. And just today... Mexican cops found enough fentanyl to kill more than a million people stuffed into the back of an SUV 90 minutes from the border. Oh, my God. All of that is coming up. Gary and Shannon will continue. Flashback Friday year, year that we all fell in love with Train. <laughs> no. Uh, and the year that the XFL entered our lives for the first time. I it's, like trains. It's going to be back in 2020. We'll see. <laughs> I don't know about this. You don't think it's going to happen? or I don't know. Well, all funded it, by... Uh, By Vince Vince McMahon. McMahon. But without the gimmicks? That was what made it entertaining to me. This is all, I think, about the president, to be honest with you. What? Vince McMahon and the president are tight. Oh. And he (laughs) said in his statement yesterday that his players will not be allowed to protest and this whole bit. And the president hasn't been able to get into the NFL after countless times of trying. So I think this might have something. I think his wife, Vince McMahon's wife, actually has a job in. She's a cabinet secretary. Yeah. Secretary. Right. Commerce or small business administration. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Linda McMahon. Um, So there's something 
there's something weird going on involving politics with this. But we'll we'll talk about all of that coming up uh, in the next hour. China yesterday says it's ready to work with the United States in fighting illicit opioid shipments because congressional investigators found that Chinese opioid manufacturers are able to use a flaw in the U.S. Postal Service to ship huge quantities of illegal drugs right to drug dealers here. This was an interesting thing, and they talked about how congressional investigators found all this stuff out, and literally, literally, they started by just Googling fentanyl for sale. And when you do that, I did it, you get dozens, couple hundred different websites I'm going to sneeze. Bless you. Oh, my mouth. Yeah, you that. should have. That was like a Sorry. shower nozzle over oh, there. Oh, boy. Sorry. <laughs> oh, it's got to you, too. Do you huh? handle? They literally Googled fentanyl for sale and found all kinds of different advertisements and started sending inquiries. How much? How do I do it? How do I pay you? Et cetera. Here's some Kleenex. Oh, thank you. Goodness. You're welcome. They preferred Bitcoin, by the way. Another reason not to invest. Um, they accept Western Union transfers, PayPal, prepaid credit cards, etc. Wait et a minute here. So there might be something behind this whole Bitcoin situation, surge in pricing, that coincides with the surge in opioids flooding the market. Potentially. It's not just the currency of terrorists. It's now the currency of... Uh, of the dark web. Opioid dealers. They said... Now, this is the, the flaw that you were talking about when it comes to using the U.S. Postal Service. They wanted to ship packages through an international arm of the U.S. Postal Service rather than something like FedEx or UPS because they were telling the investigators there was a lot less chance that the package would end up detained because specifically FedEx and UPS require that you fill out information about the sender, the receiver, and what's in a package. The U.S. Postal Service doesn't do that, at least not all the time. And part of the, the I guess, flaw is that there are other mail organizations, postal service organizations in different countries that also don't require that. So while there are plans to change that for the U.S. Postal Service and require that same type of information, they would have to do the same and, and get the same style of security enhancements with these other postal services around the world, which don't exist. So... I cannot get over the numbers here. Uh, Investigators identifying 500 transactions, adding up to about $766 million worth of fentanyl from just six sellers. Six sellers accounting for $766 million? And we're talking fentanyl. This is not just just heroin. This is fentanyl. This is like a chemical weapon. Well, that, and that's the other one is the uh, – what was the name of it? The carfentanil. Carfentanil. It's an opioid used as an elephant tranquilizer that is so potent that they classify it as a chemical weapon. And The way that, that fentanyl can – I mean we've heard of police officers responding to things, firefighters changing the way they respond to to calls because so little of fentanyl just on contact can can kill you. Yeah, if you have no tolerance or whatever, it, you know, it, right. it will kill you. So isn't that in in effect a chemical weapon? Yeah, yeah. And to that end, I was mentioning this uh, just before the break there that these these police in Ensenada 
found 100 pounds of fentanyl. Fentanyl can be fatal in doses of just a few milligrams. Um, To put it in perspective, they're saying a seizure last year, four and a half pounds of fentanyl in Columbus, Ohio, is enough to kill the entire population of that city. Obviously, the guy was headed to the United States with all of this stuff. So congratulations, I-5. You're bringing all our drugs to us. The issue of opioids and painkillers, though, um, it can be lost, confused. There are plenty of people who can live and function with opioids treating their pain. But doctors are now faced with this question of if we don't use opioids to treat pain, what do we do? bunch of doctors have been doing a lot of work on different ways, tricyclic drugs, gabapentinoids. Marijuana works. Marijuana is one of those Sometimes things. works better for people. They're also saying that some of it is that too often for too long, doctors had been going simply to painkillers as a way to, to deal with pain. Now that a lot of them are using things like exercise, cognitive behavioral therapy, things like that, to help reduce the pain they of goes, whatever they're dealing with. They go with. straight to narcotics when you're in the hospital. You don't even know it sometimes. You can't say no. You can say no, but it's after or it's already in your system. So anyway, I'm I'm fascinated by this uh, and that intervention show that's on right now. And I think we're this week, I think, is their fifth out of eight uh, episodes in this miniature series that they're doing on uh, on opioids, specifically in the neighborhoods north of Atlanta. So that'll be good. Man, I was I, I'm I'm in this uh, serial killer podcast right now. I just finished a, a pretty dark book. Uh, I got I was watching that intervention last night. And I was like, oh my god, everything I'm consuming right now is terrible. Dark. So then I put on a Barbara Streisand, Seth Rogen movie and cried at it, and felt better. I would have cried at that too. It was a cute movie. Oh boy! Remember the guy who. Uh clicked the wrong thing in Hawaii and sent that missile alert that scared the bejesus out of people for a good 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. He's staying quiet. He's not answering questions. Mm, what does what, it mean? What could he have to hide? We'll tell you when we come back. <laughs> Gary and Shannon will continue. Gary and Shannon, on this uh, Friday, it's January 26th now, the bottom of next hour, 1130, we're going to introduce you to our newest member. Of the family. The we're like the mafia. No, it's not like the mafia. The family. I don't know anybody. I've not heard us kill anyone. Yet. I suppose there's always that. The employee who sent out that false missile alert that caused uh, massive panic in Hawaii refuses to cooperate with an FCC investigation. I don't understand this. I do. I feel like (laughs) if he lawyered up, the lawyer probably told him not to say anything to anybody. I'm assuming that's the reason. He already got, he didn't get fired. I mean, he just got reassigned. Reassigned. So he still got a job. What's he worried about? Lisa 
Falks, the bureau chief of the FCC's Public Safety and Homeland Security Bureau, says we are disappointed that one key employee, the person who transmitted the false alert, is refusing to cooperate with our investigation. We hope this person will reconsider. Other than that, though, she said that she's quite pleased with the level of cooperation that they've received from the leadership of the Hawaii Emergency Management Agency. Uh... He's not cooperating with state and federal officials. I uh, gave an initial statement at the time of the incident and has refused to speak since then, according to the uh, uh, emergency management agency there for the state. His position has been that he gave a written statement and he has nothing more to say. We would hope that he would assist in clearing this up. He pushed the wrong damn button. Yeah, I mean, how much investigation needs to be going? But didn't he had to press it twice? Well, let's go down a speculative conspiracy hole. Right. That's what we do. Yes. What's your favorite? He was looking at porn. Oh, he was looking at porn. Yeah. So he distracted by it. Totally distracted by it. Which is why he hit the button twice. Right. Interesting. Or just was it? It was about 8 a.m. local time. Who looks at porn in the seven o'clock hour? I mean, I mean, come on, everybody. Everyone knows that your porn should be watched after dark. (laughs) No, the uh, no, I'm pretty sure he was just distracted. The frustrating part about all of this is not just that the guy's not talking. If you remember, the the governor of Hawaii knew within two minutes that this was a false alarm. But on Monday said he was delayed in sharing the news on his Twitter account because he didn't know his Twitter password. All of that could have been cleared up within minutes. Did you hear the report? One of my friends just sent this to me that uh, Pornhub said views in Hawaii were up 50 percent in the minutes after the second message went out saying the threat was a false alarm. What? Yeah, so so you're in the clear. The first you're in thing the you clear. Do, the first thing you do is you log on. Thank God I'm alive. Let's watch some some weird stuff. I didn't think that would be a. I don't know if that's a go to thing. Stress reliever, guys. Come on. Oh. Stress reliever. Yeah, you just saying. went through an intense. Uh, Oscar, thinking you're going to die. Some people and, choose champagne. And, some people choose Pornhub. Right. If you and Mrs. Oscar were in Hawaii and you <laughs> saw this thing come across your phones and you're on the beach, right. what do you do? I'd probably panic and get it panic. on is what you do. Right? Yeah, I guess so. You just do it on the beach. Then I mean, you're going to you're gonna go. You're going to go. Yeah. Go do it, something you love. Yeah, but, you know, these guys don't have – what if they don't have a significant other? You know, they, oh, maybe – but why wait until after the thing? That's the pro. That's I'm what I'm telling I don't you. Understand. It's a stress. You just whew, all right. Let's get back to the wouldn't business of the day. Wouldn't you do it? Wouldn't you do it while you thought you were gonna die? Right. I don't know. I'm not one of these people. <laughs> just trying to help. Like Oscar. Yeah. I'm just trying to what, help them out. What would you go on the site <laughs> if you thought you were gonna die? What time of day am I there? Is it stress? <laughs> no. Don't answer that. <laughs> He's an early morning guy. Stop it. Super early. Stop it. So uh, we will, uh, (laughs) next hour we have a bunch to get to. We're going to tell you more about the uh, family in Paris, in Riverside County, the torture case. Because we now know that they may have tried to leave Texas, or I should say they left Texas after that same girl, the teenage girl who originally called for help, 
she may have tried to call for help in Texas as well. Maybe they were just trying to avoid the authorities. So we'll talk about that. We'll meet our new member of our KFI team and uh, a little bit of the debate from last night. Did anybody care or know that there was a debate last night between the gubernator? Go- people oh, running no, for no. governor? Oh, no, no, we can't say, yeah, we got to say people running people for governor. Running Don't you remember governor. the Chris Little edict? Oh, we can't say mayoral either. Mayoral, gubernatorial, these are all no-nos because that's not how normal people talk. Would you please, uh, oh, on Instagram, we put a picture of Shannon's Dammit doll <laughs> just so you can take a look. She's swinging this thing around wildly today. Well, Friday we get to bring toys in. Yeah. I still think it has something to do with Handel's compliments. Shannon, a lot of people on, well, not a, a few people on Twitter are asking, uh, what serial killer podcast you're looking at right now? Or listening oh, to? I'm listening to Atlanta Monster. New episodes come out every Friday. This is, I think, the fourth episode today. And it's about a, um, a number of kids who went missing and were killed in Atlanta in the late 70s, early 80s. It's all about that investigation. And I started uh, listening to Up and Vanished, which is done by the same guy. There you go. But don't listen to it during the show. No, listen to our of course show. not. You can't. Don't listen to it until after the alert comes down. You would have only gotten the scoop put. if you listened to the show. So That's you right. can't you can't turn it away. You owe us now. <laughs> Gary and Shannon will continue right after this.